This is a download for the Wireless Theatre Company. Emails from abroad. Quiet, Sigger. I'll put you in the garden. Come on, out you go. August 14th. Hello? Are you receiving me? Coincidence, really, that you leave this country as I return to it. You for three months, I after three weeks. You, no doubt, with foreboding but excitement. I with just foreboding. Not quite fair, really, as it will be nice to get back to the old routine, I suppose. It's reassuring, but it's not long to be away from it all. What an action-packed itinerary. I see you plan to do South America in its entirety before whizzing round the whole of Southeast Asia, taking in New Zealand and Australia en route. <laughs> Meanwhile, I am back, and nothing has changed. The old worries and preoccupations still there. Garden weedy, house needing attention, elderly parents requiring care without the compensating liveliness of a youngster breathing in and out. One doesn't like to grouse, and it's not that everything French is perfect, but the disillusionment set in as soon as we boarded the ship home. Unusually, we left France on a British ferry, and there the holiday ended. Filthy, expensive food, and no sign of interest in anything French, no Euro, magazine or spécialité available. I pointed this out to a crew member and was met with a dismissive, Yeah, we know. So, back to reality and a cat with fleas. <laughs> Listen, I don't mean to nag, but you must let us have a contact address for you as soon as pos. Enjoy yourself. Susan. August 14th, 2200 hours, back at the ranch. Imagining with hatred you flitting in and out of exotic hotspots and tossing exquisite handcrafted ethnoidery into a cunning little basket when I have just got back from the obligatory post-holiday shop at the supermarket. Saturday evening may be the best time to do it, but hardly the best way to spend a Saturday night. The trolley was duly loaded with all the vital apparatus of modern life. Tinned cat food, tetrapack orange juice, 400 megabags of blue rolls. <laughs> the other shoppers must assume that our esoteric diet leads to dramatic after-effects. <laughs> Shopping like this brings out in me a latent rage that only your daughter's vile boyfriend produces in me otherwise. I do hope you're not worrying about Ma since she seems to be bearing up. I took her to the emergency dentist this morning. Nothing really wrong. She was just panicking. Optician's appointment on Monday. Term doesn't start for another two weeks, so we'll have plenty of time to cram in the other clinics before I have to go back to work full time. Hope all's well. Susan. Oh, come on! Just keep going. August 20th. Where the hell are you? Honestly, Leslie, you've been gone nearly a week and there's still no news of you. Claire was round here last night and I did my best to reassure her. She kept saying pathetically that it's silly a girl worrying about her mother being kidnapped for the white slave trade when it should be the other way round. I know she's nearly 20 and her dad is round the corner, but I think you should make a greater effort to keep in touch with her. As it was, I mumbled about the paucity of internet cafe and remote corners of the world. And still no idea where you are. Susan. August the 21st. The email has landed. In Rio, or Rio de Janeiro, as it is pronounced here. Amazed you imagine possible to email you on a regular basis when on a backpack. 
backpacking trip. A week away, and this is my first chance. Anyway, started off the travels. This is not a holiday, Susan, as would hope to go on. Welcomed into executive lounge for Bloody Marys and nibbles, then upgraded to business class with fully reclining beds, separated by an aesthetic fan, champagne, and macadamia nuts. <laughs> Always pays to dress up for airports. The fourteen hours to Sao Paulo, excuse the pun, flew by. Two hours later, looking down on the misty islands of Rio, you'd love Ipanema Beach, Susan, and approve of our parsimonious choice of accommodation—the Crab Hostel. <laughs> yes, I was a little concerned about the name too. Not sure how you'd have fared in a ten-bed mixed dorm. Despite yours and all the family's dire warnings, so far not the slightest bit threatened by Rio. Using local buses and biking around, the first night never went to bed at all. Carnival carries on way past dawn. Great way to meet the locals and guys from all over. We got chatting to a Colombian, taking samba classes now. Rio is really the most beautiful city. Can't think why I hesitated to come. We walk down to the beach for a swim every morning before breakfast. Have fallen in love with Ipanema. Sure, Ma is fine in your capable hands. Send my love and tell her not to worry. Same goes for you. But keep emailing. I will when I can. Ciao, Irma. <laughs> That's Brazilian for sister. Leslie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not much in the paper today, is there? August twenty-second, in England's green and pleasant land. Glad you've arrived with luggage, and that it's all so thrilling. Everything fine here, except that Tim's mother is having more tests. Perhaps at last they'll find out what's wrong with her. We shall have to go up at the weekend. It's not that I mind. She's a dear old thing, and I'm very fond of her. But Anglesey is one hell of a trek. It's Tim that baffles me. He's theoretically a devoted son, etc., but never actually sits with her and chats, which is what she would really enjoy. August the 27th. Susan, I know it's been a couple of weeks, but you have no idea what it's like to be a backpacker. Camping in France does not make you an expert on roughing it. I tried emailing you from Buenos Aires at eight in the morning before catching a taxi to the airport, and had to compete with hip hop music, and some callow youths who'd been up drinking all night and were raucously trying to access gay porn on the computer next to me. This after a stifling night in an eight-bed dorm, thirty-five degrees plus. The only way I can keep cool is to sluice myself down in the communal shower two or three times a night and stand in front of the ceiling fan. Claire knows what it's like. I don't remember her constantly emailing while she was on her gap year. Don't agonise about Tim either. You know he'll always come good in a crisis. Send his mummy love. I'm fond of her too. Remember, it's not out of sight, out of mind. Just because I'm a few hundred miles away. Actually, read whilst down at the southern Argentinian glacier that I was precisely one hundred and thirty thousand seven hundred and twenty-one miles from London. Mustache, hasta luego. August twenty-eighth. Feeling sorry for myself. Things have been very rushed here, which is why I have not written for several days. We had to spend the bank holiday weekend rushing up and down to Anglesey to see Tim's mother. Thankfully, the test didn't show anything to worry about, but the roads—endless jams. She's still able to cope on her own, just about. 
Though what the long-term future holds, only time will tell. Oh, when we got back, there was the annual old girls' reunion with lots of our contemporaries there. Remember Hazel? Feminist, right on, politically correct. Deep down, very likeable. And then Ruth! All seven feet of her, expounding roundly on how we should all run our lives and, and taking it very much amiss if you have the temerity to expound back. <laughs> very likeable, too. Feisty, but a good egg. They came back for a drink and kept congratulating Tim and me for sticking to our guns and not having children. If only they knew. I started liking them a lot less after that. And Tim escaped muttering darkly to his study and his phone calls. People can be so bloody insensitive as they showed photo after photo of their little darlings. And to cap it all, Tigger's still got fleas. Really cheesed off. Write something interesting and tell me who we is. August the 29th, from short fat sister in long thin country. Dear Susan, quick response to your obviously heartfelt criticism of your old friends. We know what you've gone through, but they can't be expected to understand. They can't read your mind like I can. To cheer you up, I'm now adding the email I tried to send you from Argentina, now in Chile, reading up on travels in a thin country. Wish the same could be said about me. I always find I eat more when abroad, don't you? <laughs> well, I know you always indulge a bit with that French patisserie. Emailing, bathed in sweat, hottest day yet, floating downstream away, hopefully, from tallest Brazilian waterfalls. Jungle alive with toucans, caimans, three at least, basking in water plus other unmentionable things of which you know I cannot speak. Suffice to say, thoroughly alarmed on reaching dry land, and in particular a low-lying ditch, running to catch plane, to clock sign warning La Circule de Serpent. <laughs> and you're worried about Tigger's fleas. It was always my job to deal with Henry's in the early autumn. Can't imagine it's top of Stephen's priorities. Tell Ma I'll be ringing her once I've mastered the phone cards here. The ATM refuses to give me any money, which is much more worrying. Must go. Companion waits outside and we're off to Chile tomorrow. Think of me, eight hours on a bus. Love, Leslie. August 31st, everyday story of suburban folk. Been talking to my sixth formers. A-level results came out here, with the usual outcry about them getting easier every year. Nobody suggests that sporting records are the proof that running's getting any easier, or 100 metres is shorter than it was. So why are schools singled out? It's really dispiriting, after all the hard work I did to prepare the little bastards. Anyhow, my results are fine, despite one disappointment. The problem is that A-levels are regarded as the apogee of English education, and everyone seems to think they should be in violet, but without scrutinising them carefully. In fact, they are deeply flawed and need a radical overhaul. Have you noticed that when people talk of standards slipping, they never examine whether it's worth defending the standard they are wringing their hands over? Hope all tribulations and discomforts and sharing dorms, etc., are not preventing you entirely from enjoying yourself. It's only a brief email, because back to work day after tomorrow. Who is companion? Susan. Kiss, kiss. September the 6th. You're never too old to backpack. Hello, 
no, Susan. Of course I'm not being prevented from enjoying myself. Quite the reverse. You just don't have any idea, do you, what fun it is, just slinging your backpack over your shoulder and moving on to wherever the mood takes you. At each hostel, there's instant company regardless of country or age. You swap experiences, pick up their info on buses, what to see, which beaches to hang out in, and you could stay forever as everywhere is cheap, cheap. I'm reckoning on about £4 a night, perhaps five or six pounds on food and alcohol. Travelling on your own means everybody talks to you and you can get really close to the local people. They're all so cheerful and friendly. Even the night workers greet you as they go through the bins sorting out the cans and plastic from the trash before carrying away piles of rubbish and good stuff on makeshift carts or bikes if they're lucky. Met a great guy, new companion, at the barbecue in the last hostel. He's been travelling round the world for three years, searching for the perfect wave. Going clubbing with some of his mates tomorrow night. Hope he joins us. What news of my daughter? Did manage to pick up one email from her, saying she's finally dumping the vile Roger and getting a new boyfriend. As you say, you never know who or what is round the next corner. Had a laugh at your complaint about the traffic up west, having just crossed a 20-lane avenue in central Buenos Aires. No, I'm not exaggerating. I counted each one, just to go to an internet cafe. As you can imagine, it takes forever to cross, and you take your life in your hands. Yes, back here again as a cheap jumping-off point. Read your comments about A-levels. We make such sweeping assumptions about other countries' levels of organisation and education. Most make us look positively third world and so uncultured. You remember, on my trans-Siberian trip, the Siberian villager with the botanical dictionary in French, and the 98% literacy of the Mongolians in their yurts. By the way, during your little lecture on standard slipping, didn't we forget the rules about apostrophes? If you can put an is in after it, you use the apostrophe. Remember, you always used to go through my homework to get the grammar right. Just thought I'd point it out. Unfortunately, still having cash problems. These holes in the wall keep rejecting my card, which is so humiliating. I can't think what I'm doing wrong. I might ask my surfing guy... I don't dare put it in more than twice in case it swallows it up. Luckily, they take travellers' checks at the hostel, but having to economise madly. More your forte, Susan. No wonder Tim's mother approves of you. She can't say the same of her son. Is he still a whiz with the bookies? You could tell him from me I've had my own equine excitements. Went riding on an estantheon on a real Argentinian polo pony and tomorrow have booked to ride the rapids. Grade four. Actually a bit nervous as I don't think I'm insured. We'll let you know if I survive. Bye, L. September the 7th. We're in the money. Susan, thought you'd like to know, as I know how you worry, that Eureka! My cash card is back in operation. Can't tell you the sweet sound of the clunking of the machinery as it counts your notes. I positively snatched my card back and instantly I was back in control. It's... See, I can put an is in, in between the it and the is. It's quite scary not being able to get hold of money in a foreign country... We can all go out and celebrate tonight. Rapids were amazing. You are suddenly confronted by a huge wall of water. The guide is screaming instructions in an unknown language. You're paddling like mad and your boat drops into the dip and is then thrown up vertically. Once you're through the washing machine or the devil's throat or whatever the churning mass of water is called, someone translates that those were the little ones. The real rapids are coming up round the corner. Tremendous sense of satisfaction as you're showering with your fellow crew afterwards. Hot water, too. 
think I'm conquering a few of my demons. How's Mother, by the way? Mustache, there's a queue forming for this machine. Love, L. September 8th. Money doesn't grow on trees. That's because I put some money in your account. Five hundred pounds. Sudden influx of paying actors in the basement. Tim insisted. I sometimes think it would have been better if he'd married you. Then he wouldn't have had to do his travelling vicariously. Is that spelt right? Should it be W-R-I-T-E or R-I-T-E? Do you think you could refrain from commenting on my spelling? We all know that you have had the benefit of the best education that money could buy and that I failed Oxbridge entrance, but the ability to spell is not the be-all and end-all of life. And dashing off an email to an absent sister is not when one has spelling at the forefront of one's mind. Glad it's all so exhilarating. <laughs> is there anything in your emails you would rather I didn't share with Claire? Like the new companion? And who did he replace? I usually give mother a... Interrupted by phone. No immediate cause for panic. We'll write ASAP. Susan. And R. Another. N. Another consonant, please. Q. A vowel. E. Another vowel. September 9th. To keep you up to date. You really needn't have gone to so much trouble as to find a phone in the middle of the Patagonian heartlands. But it was nice to hear from you. We all realise how hard it must be for you being away and are confident that you would shoulder your full share of the burden if you were here. How fortunate mother's injuries were not as significant as I had first been led to believe. But a fall at her age is always significant, even if there are only surface occlusions. She would love to talk to you if you're near a phone again. She's staying here. The B&B &B guests were very understanding, and the loss of revenue will be sustained. She's very querulous and rather confused. Asked me the other day if you were dead. We'll keep you up to date. Term well underway. Hmm. Or is it W-E-I-G-H? So little time to write. S. Kiss, kiss. September the 12th. 38 degrees here. Dear S, told you about fretting unnecessarily. Ma sounded perfectly fine on the phone. Said you were fussing over her. Where were you anyway? Obviously you felt you could leave her safely while you popped out. So stop worrying so much. Same goes for Claire. I got all the halls of residence bump sent to us long before I left. She's just so dilatory. It's her own fault she'll have to take potluck. No use whinging now, and that goes for all of you. Can you stop Stephen from sending me all those ghastly hearts and flowers sentimentalia? He was perfectly at liberty to join me on this trip if he had wanted. But no, of course, he was totally indispensable at the office. Couldn't possibly bear to lift his nose from the grindstone then. Do you know I can count only two weekends when he spared himself to join Claire and I on our holidays in North Cornwall? You should all take a leaf out of Rick's book. Anything goes wrong here, which I can tell you it does all the time, he just shrugs and says, No worries, mate. And honestly, to look at him, with that wonderful bronzed body, tousled blonde hair and piercing blue eyes... You can see the sense. Swimming every day. Think I'm getting more toned. More anon. Love, L. September 12th. Have just had the most wonderful day. 
a lovely time in town with Claire, getting her some clothes to take to uni. She's getting so excited. I can't tell you what fun it was, combing through all of the shops for pretty things for her. I felt like a girl again. Honestly, she had absolutely nothing to wear, and it's no good taking a dad with you on these occasions. Then she came back here with me and helped me cook supper for Tim. He's just seeing her home as it's so late. She was just lovely. I thought having a teenage daughter was supposed to be a drag. Hmm. Oh, there's an email from you. An unexpected pleasure. Better read it. No, I could not say anything to Stephen about the sentimentalia. It's absolutely outrageous of you to ask. I don't want to know these details of your married life. Incidentally, it's with Claire and me, not I. Indirect object, personal, first person pronoun. Someone who's getting toned should be able to cope with hearts and flowers. Oh, and if in doubt, ask Rick. That's all. I'm off to do other things. Boring things. Cooking, cleaning, shopping for the aged, visiting the sick. You know, the usual fascinating round. Susan. September the 15th. Susan, guess what? I can stand on a surfboard. Well, it was only for a few seconds, but I managed to get up on my knees and then I kind of sprang to my feet. When I did fall off, it was quite painful as the fin thing caught me rather a nasty blow. They're quite sharp, you know. And it was on the same place, just over my kidney, where I got hit by the paddle on the river rafting trip. But Rick was so complimentary, and it's something I've always wanted to do since those Cornish holidays. We're off to celebrate, us surfing dudes. <laughs> Bet England must seem a bit dull in comparison. Never mind, think of all that money you're saving. Still a problem out here, unfortunately. We'll email again soon from your lean, mean sister, Elle. September the 19th. Are you receiving me over and out? No comment, apparently, about my surfing prowess. Jealousy is an unattractive trait, Susan. And stop fishing about my companion. I know Tim spilt the beans about James because I got a cryptic email from him about his mate getting lucky. Yes, for the record, I did travel out with him, but that was all. I made it quite clear I wasn't interested and we parted the best of friends. Last heard of, he was heading down to Tierra del Fuego, typically clocking up another cape. Much too bleak for me. Sounds just like the Falklands, despite its name. Land of fire, as you would know. A word of sisterly warning. Might be worth seeing who else Tim's been emailing recently. You haven't left my PIN number lying around anywhere, have you? I seem to remember putting it with the copy of my passport in the brown envelope in your desk. Just that I seem to be getting through money like a hot knife through butter and there are unexpected expenses all the time. I had to buy a fleece. It gets chilly here when heli-hiking in one of the charmingly named pre-loved shops. It'll be cheaper once I leave NZ and get to Asia. They make the most wonderful old-fashioned cakes here. I can't resist the little pink ones covered in coconut called lamingtons, just like Ma used to make us to greet us when we got back from school. September the 24th, in the wars. Back's playing up, not looking forward to long flight to Sydney. Rick's thinking of stopping off in Oz permanently. Pity, as he'd promised to travel round with me. Think I shall press straight on via Singapore due to low funds. How's Ma? 
Missing Everyone. Fond love to all, Leslie. September the 26th. Greetings from Southeast Asia. Ghastly flight. Singapore horrendously expensive. Having to eat in Hawker's Market. Have jotted down choices on the menu for your amusement. Pig organ soup. Pig's trotters. Kidney soup. Don't think we're talking red bean variety here. Stomach soup. Spine meat soup. Liver soup. Here, getting better for the carnivore, I spotted a steamed roasted chicken. Plate then passed me, looking revolting. For a vegetarian, noodles sounded OK, but worried by the oyster sauce. Settled on the homemade barley drink. Nostalgic memories of your making Claire lemon barley when she was poorly with the mumps. She must be off to uni now. Surprise no news from any of you. Off to find a cheaper hostel. Leslie. Digger, I'll feed you when I've finished this. September 26th. See, I know what you're thinking before you do. Somehow I'm writing this reply, due to the wonders of technology, before you wrote your last email. It's all very confusing to the earthbound like me. Claire got off to uni. We drove her and her unconscionable quantities of luggage. A lovely late summer day. She's rung several times to keep us up to speed with new friends, experiences, etc. No lectures yet. It's not that far if she needs a bit of TLC at home. I think Stephen's going up this weekend to be paternal and take her out for some hearty meals. I made a batch of those cakes you were reminiscing about for him to take her. Sorry you're having to retrench and that the £500 we sent you went nowhere. Were you delirious with hunger when you ranted on about jealousy, Tim's emails, your pin, etc., etc., etc.? No particular news here. Ma OK, and Tim's mother bearing up. Must tackle Form 4's marking. <laughs> the bigger the class is, the higher the stack. Love, Susan. September the 28th. What £500? Please elaborate. Managing on US dollars until my flight to Thailand, October the 1st. Remind Claire that her mother is concerned as to how she has settled in. We'll be in Internet Cafe tomorrow. Provisions already exist to sentence people for crimes against disabled people if... Hmm. Let's see what's on telly tonight. September 28th. Cash! The £500 we put in your account when the cash dispenser would not dispense. September the 29th. Alarm bells. Suggest you look closely at Tim's recent bank statements. Don't seem to remember any national racing events in England. I'm no expert, but he is. And I think it's unfair how he's taken advantage of you all these years just because you're so naive about money. Obviously need an answer to the whereabouts of the £500 ASAP. Can't ask you to send out more, but if the worst has happened, ask Stephen to look into moneygrams. Yours worriedly, Leslie. September 30th, in the small hours. Have spent the last 18 hours frantically trying to decode and act on your email. 
Astonished to find that after 26 years of marriage, I found it impossible to ask Tim outright if he had sent your money or spent it on the horses, as you imply. I did, in the end, ask. And he assured me the money was transferred. Though whether it arrived, he couldn't say, South America being what it is. I know this is rubbish. He either put it in your bank, which is four doors down the street from ours, or he didn't. So he must have done something fishy. I don't really know what to do next. He promised me faithfully that it's all in the past, and that he still goes to Gamblers Anonymous. But if I found that he's sneaking off to the bookies again, I just wouldn't know where to turn. God knows it was frightful when the bailiffs came round that time. Even now I can't forget the mortification when they told me that often the wife is the last to find out. It would be terribly humiliating to have to ask Stephen if he knows anything. And I don't even know what moneygrams are. Tim was extremely aggressively defensive. I don't know what's going on. If you do, for God's sake, tell me. Love, Susan. October the 3rd. Humble Pie. Relieved to be out of the gilded cage of Singapore, but battered by the Koh San Road. Haven't read the beach for nothing so located cheap, cockroach-ridden accommodation pretty quickly. Finances temporarily sorted, as we'll be able to live off £1.50 a day. Feel dreadful that I may have precipitated a marital bombshell, but it would have exploded sooner or later, Susan. Why I'm also feeling a bit guilty is that I'm now wondering whether perhaps Rick could have somehow managed to memorise my PIN number. In retrospect, he now seems to have been unnecessarily helpful when I was having that trouble with the ATM. Do you think it's possible? It was so odd, the way he buggered off once we got to Sydney, and he did buy a state-of-the-art board in Ragnarok when he'd been complaining about standing his round the night before. I'm beginning to think I just can't do relationships. You and Tim always appeared so happy together so I couldn't spoil things. I assumed you'd finally rumble him. I'm so sorry, Susan. My fondest love. Let me know what I can do. Your sister, Leslie. Yes, I mean, it will not be public. No, no. We, right. the government, will make sure that they set aside money, and we're looking very hard at all the financial details. October 4th. Not a good day on the whole. Tim's birthday. Well, what an ordeal it's been. Anything that I might have given him seemed weighted with significance. Binoculars? He's always claimed to want a good pair for bird-watching. Stout boots? So good for striding through the autumn woods. Money? Out of the question. We skirt carefully around any subjects that could be contentious. Have you any idea how often in normal conversation words like track, I bet, luck crop up? It is very hard to cope. I thought that that was all behind us, and perhaps it is, but I need to be sure. The saving grace is that he would do anything for his mother not to find out. So whereas in the past his visits up north to her mysteriously coincided with meetings at Aintree, Chester and in Ireland, he's taking to going at different times and more often. She's gained, in short. I'll never understand what the excitement was. He didn't make huge bets, but they all mounted up. I feel I can't trust that I know what he's feeling or doing. So much for seeming so happy, as you put it. I used to wonder if maybe he had another woman tucked away. Or children, perhaps. But I can't bear to think like that, and do vigorous gardening whenever my thoughts stray. <laughs> when are you home? 
He did put the money into your account, incidentally. We have the counterfoil to prove it. Bloody men. October 4th. Forgot to tell you. Stephen called round yesterday evening. He didn't say much, but I felt there was something not quite right. Perhaps you might try to ring him? He looked very stressed. Probably misses you and must miss Claire. Thank you for your emails. Difficult for you to tell me about Tim. Much love. Susan. October the 6th. Background on Stephen. I forgot to tell you that no sooner had I touched down in Brazil, Stephen lost no time in informing me that he was consulting a lawyer to handle our impending divorce. Naturally, I put it down to one of his funny half-hours and the usual pressure of work. He's talked in this wild way before, and I've learnt to ignore it. However, if, as you say, he's still behaving oddly, would you mind popping round and sorting things out? He must have flipped this time. Nobody can send loving, caring little messages one day and then threaten divorce papers the next. Not even Stephen. Have tried to ring Claire. Do you have a number for her? Please email back by return. L. October 8th. Stephen. I don't want to worry you, but when I went round to see how Stephen's getting on, I was rather shocked by the absolute squalor I found. The washing up can't have been done since Claire left, and the state of the loo was unspeakable. I don't think he's been eating properly either. I cleared up a bit and remonstrated. Oh, that went down a treat, I can tell you, and suggested he come and stay with us for a while. It was bizarre, because actually he seemed much more normal than he did the other day, but quite oblivious to the mess. Anyway, he refused to stay, but had some supper with us, and left clutching, I made sure of that, a card with the name of a cleaning firm on it. Has this happened before? I really don't want to worry Claire at this stage, but I don't know how to tackle it. Do you know any numbers for his colleagues? And what about that bloke he plays tennis with? Lots of love. S. P.S. I've lost track. Where are you? October the 12th. God! All I asked was a few weeks of peace and quiet. Incidentally, I am trying to sort my head out in the local meditation group. I was given their name while having a full body massage on the beach. Thais are famous for their delicate finger work. I didn't really like the old lady walking up my backbone. After your last few emails, I felt increasingly in need of some alternative attention, but that was a step too far. How is Henry? Has he lost weight? I do hope he's not being neglected. Perhaps you could have him to stay. He's very well behaved, as long as he's fed regularly. Poor puss. I can't bear to think that Stephen is being unkind to him. Ask Sheila to go and keep Stephen company. He likes her. She's a nurse and likes keeping things clean. I'll sort it when I get back, as I always have done. Meanwhile, the cycle of life rolls inexorably towards Nirvana. Peace, sister. October 20th. Peace? Bloody peace? You are so infuriating. No news that would interest you. Just thought I'd mention that I had to take Ma back to the doctor's last Friday. She's complaining of a persistent stomachache and is not at all well in herself. Susan. October the 21st. Susan. 
I seriously recommend you find a colonic irrigation specialist for Ma. It's done wonders for my kidney injury. It was horrid having to drink very bitter coffee grounds first, but afterwards you feel so free and kind of floating. You know how hung up Ma always was about her bowels. Let me know the result. When you get her home, try her on fermented fish. It keeps the ties so slim and healthy. I think you can get bottles of it in most supermarkets. I'm eating nothing but fish, coconut, chilli paste and pak choy flavoured with lemongrass. Bon appétit! Oh, and do watch Ma's water intake and wish her a full recovery. Thinking of you all, and please ask Claire to refrain from taxing my brains with requests for socio-political analysis when I'm trying to take a break from it all. Kisses, L. Strong winds in the UK over the next few days. 2004 has seen a record number of typhoons battering Japan this year, and the latest in Tokaj is the second in just over a week. October 21st. Read this rubbish when I got back from putting Ma to bed. It's 10.30 at night. You just have no idea, have you, with your stupid alternative therapies. Ma's still in a very poor way, hardly able to face food. Was going to email you anyhow. Stephen left for Bangkok this morning. Claire's suggestion. Enjoy! Susan. October the 22nd. Communing from the Commune. Thrilled to get email from Claire at last until I opened it. What gives? Gather police were called, the vile Roger taken into custody for possession of cannabis, and she's been asked to leave her hall of residence. Where is the new boyfriend in all this? Afraid you will have to bung her some readies for accommodation. I despair of Stephen, can't get off his bottom to help his own daughter out. Have tried to ring without success. Perhaps you could check on Sheila's whereabouts. Your sister. October the 22nd. Just opened your email about Stephen. This puts him in a very bad light. I'm sure he's not out here for my health. You know, the awful kind of Englishman that holidays in Bangkok... I'm amazed at Sheila letting him go. Don't give him my address, however much he bullies you. Warn him this is a malarial area. He can't possibly have possessed the forethought to have started a course of prophylactics. They made me take them at least ten days before leaving. Tonic water's a very useful antidote. Not sure about the gin, but equally good for reviving the appetite. Useful for Ma, so don't tell me she can't keep water down. You're not angling for me to fly back, are you? Just when I'm beginning to make a small recovery? Mr Fang Thang is very concerned about my kidney and I'm sure would be horrified at the thought of my travelling. Could you perhaps be exaggerating her condition? I know she'd want me to get better before I came home. Would be prepared to come back early, however, if Claire needs me. Cannot be sure from this distance how the reappearance of the vile Roger has affected her. Don't want to cut my grand tour short unless essential. If you really can't manage, and I can't believe it of you, Susan, I will drag myself back. Is that really what you want? Lukewarm wishes, Leslie. October 25th. Have got to the bottom of the Claire Roger debacle. He went looking for her and caused absolute pandemonium when he found her with some student called Matt. The university authorities took a very dim view of it when the police had to be called to eject Roger and they found cannabis on him. Claire denies all knowledge of its existence, but they take a very firm line. Anyhow... We found a room for her in a house quite near the compass and Tim and I advanced her the deposit. She seems not too phased by the whole thing. Not nearly as much as me, in fact. Heard from her 
that Stephen is in Bangkok looking for you. But as I don't know where you are, I can't tell him. Glad not to have to make that decision. No, I was not exaggerating about Ma. She is very unwell, droops all over the place. It has been suggested that she be assessed in the most dreary, smelly geriatric medical ward where the patients shuffle and scream at random and the food is more ghastly than I can describe. I would feel honour-bound to take food parcels in. But I shall take Sheila's advice on the matter. We might try to get her set up with what they call a, a care package. Fortunately, it's half-term, so I have some time to sort things out. If this is old age, send me a speedy demise. I shall stop doing all the healthy things at once. Is your kidney really bad? Or are you just making a mountain out of a molehill to justify not coming home? Please think carefully before you reply. For once. Susan. October the 29th. Dear Susan, What an insufferable prig you are. I have scraped up my last bart to send Ma a Buddhist healing amulet and would like you to engage the services of an acupuncturist at my expense before you consign her to the ranks of the geriatric. She's only 78, for God's sake, and I was planning to ask her to accompany me on my next travels. To Bhutan, I thought. As you have so tenderly inquired as to my own health, I had to drag myself from my hut along the beach to the cafe where they have just installed the internet. I wish I hadn't bothered. Leslie. October the 31st. No response. I presume you are too busy installing handrails and bath things. I am planning to ring Ma at 3.30pm your time tomorrow. Mr Fang Fang would like to have a word with her. He has also suggested that I purchase a new kidney for myself from their hospital bank. It would only cost $800 and I'm sure I can rely on you to foot this bill. Imagine me striding out of the airport, fully restored to health and ready to take on my share of Ma caring. Out of the question in my present state, as I can hardly shuffle from my straw mat on the floor to the revolting latrines behind the beach cafe. I hate Thailand. My diet consists solely of boiled rice and the odd fruit shake. I wonder if Sheila might like a little holiday. I'm sure she's missing Stephen. No sign of him yet, thank God. P.S. Or perhaps Claire. I'm making some tea if your ma would like some. Get away from her feet, Tigger. November 1st. Just checking I understood. Things are getting fraught here and you are not helping. To recap, it was an absurd time to ring as I am still in school so I make no apology for you having to ring several times before getting an answer. Nothing would persuade Ma to speak to Fang Thing. In fact, I could barely persuade her to speak to you. Since we spoke, I have made several phone calls, not to Sheila as she is needed here to help me. I did ring Claire... She says she is not going to further disrupt her studies to come and nurse you and that the idea is grotesquely selfish. She is well, by the way. I don't think you asked. At your request, I did broach the harebrained scheme of a kidney transplant with Tim, who flatly refuses to fund it. So do I. However, if you are short of cash, we will buy your flight home and I will book you an appointment with Dr Richards. Do think about it. The idea of a major op 
where there are insanitary latrines is a recipe for disaster. By the way, Claire has had several text messages from her dad, but no mention of where he is. If you are really that ill, come home and be looked after. There's a good girl. Love, Susan. November the 4th. Dear Susan, I wept when I got your email. You've always been the kind-hearted one out of the two of us. I appreciated all that you offered, but I'm really quite okay. Thank Claire for her email. I quite understand how difficult I must seem. Please don't worry if you don't hear from me for a few weeks. I'm going up country to an ashram on Meggie's advice. She's the facilitator for my meditation group. Mr Fang Thang will do no more for me now that I have turned down his kind offer. Financially, things are sorting themselves out. I will be put to work when the pain allows. Lovingly, Leslie. November 4th. Address, please. Do you think we could have an address? A vague intimation of where the ashram is? You know, in case here in the real world an emergency should occur? Sorry to be a nuisance. S. November the 5th. Address unknown, no such person. I expect you're having a firework party for the neighbour's children. How we enjoyed covering the kitchen with trays of vegetable soup and toffee apples. The fireworks used to freak Claire out and she would run back inside for a cuddle. Stephen and Tim kept up a flow of cider, hot apple juice for the children. Happy days. There's not a breath of air here. The jungle is pressing in on me. You don't want to know where I am. I've dictated this message to Colin, who is leaving for Bangkok, and promised to send this verbatim. Love to you all, especially to Ma. Look forward to seeing you all again soon. How's Henry? I could do with him here. The scuffling of the rats makes it hard to sleep. Hope you're well. All love, Leslie. November 8th. We miss you. Copy to Colin. My dear Leslie, I am copying this to Colin's email in the hope that if you don't get it, he will and will know how to reach you. I hope very much that if the jungle is so ghastly, you will waste no time in leaving it and heading back to the relative civilization of the beach latrines. Actually, I don't know why I'm joking. We really need you to come home. Ma has taken a turn for the worse. She's in a hospital, a high fever, completely incoherent. The one thing she is lucid about is seeing you. She calls for you and looks for you all the time. If you need money for the flight home, just say. November the 14th, in Bangkok. That bastard Colin went and gave Stephen directions, and he's here now. He's dragged me back with him to Bangkok, which I'm finding utterly overwhelming, battered by the noise and smells and crowds. Stephen is a different person out here. He's got to grips with the local life, is staying in what can only be described as an upmarket brothel, seems friendly with the worst specimens of males. Do you know, I think he must have been out here many times before, perhaps when we were in Cornwall. I heard him talking about Pattaya in the most nauseatingly knowledgeable way. I am writing this in an internet cafe a few streets away from the hospital he admitted me to. I am waiting to see a renal specialist, apparently. Do let me know how Mar is. I'm really worried about her and plan to fly back as soon as Stephen lets me. 
Please email me direct. Don't contact Stephen in case he has other ideas. As you know, I am booked home on the 20th. Flight details in brown envelope I gave you. I may have to sneak out of the hospital. By the way, they have taken me off my malarial medication and were horrified that Dr Richards had prescribed it. Yours in anticipation of an immediate reply, Leslie. November 14th. It's very late here, but I've just read your email. I was at the hospital. It seems as if my feet take me there unbidden these days. They've moved Ma into a specialist unit for the confused. The fever is less high, but she still wanders in her mind. She can hardly eat and seems to be shutting down. I hope you make it back in time. She always asks for you. Let us know the time of your flight. I've taken compassionate leave and you will be met, not sure who by. Claire came down for the weekend and was absolutely sweet as she always is. Love, S. P.S. Don't let them operate on you there. Get home first. November the 15th. Susan, have changed my flight. Arriving 11.20pm local time, November the 16th at Heathrow. Am discharging myself after the next doctor's rounds and before visiting time. Don't be alarmed by my appearance. I didn't recognise my own face in the mirror. It's now completely yellow and I have lost a stone and a half. I don't think Stephen fancies me anymore. I'm okay. Family blood will out. Please remind Ma of that and tell her to hang on for my sake. Longing to be home, Leslie. November 16th. Help! Copy to Stephen. Where are you, Leslie? I'm at Heathrow, have checked flight list and all passengers have come through. Why aren't you on flight? Please advise what is happening and what I should do. We'll try to contact both of you by phone. Susan. November 17th. Still at Heathrow. Copy to Claire. Dear Tim, wonderfully relieved to get the news of Ma. Thank heavens. I'm stuck here at Heathrow waiting for any sign from Leslie or Stephen to know what to do next. I have a feeling something catastrophic has happened, but don't know what. They're adamant here that there is no trace of her ever checking in at Bangkok. The staff are very helpful, but actually don't know any more than I do. We'll phone when, if, things are clearer. Love, Susan. November 17th. Guess where? Yes, Heathrow. Copy to Stephen. Leslie, darling, Tim says Ma off danger list and that I should come and fetch you. Have got a standby ticket. Arrive Bangkok, 10.55pm, November 18th local time, flight BA591. Any chance of Stephen meeting me at the airport? Let Tim know, if not Poss. Susan. November 20th. Copy to Claire and Stephen. Dear Tim, All sorted now, but no thanks to you, Stephen. What happened to you after you dropped me at the hospital? Leslie on the mend, but clings to me helplessly like a child, completely dependent. Anyway, the doctors say she is now physically well enough to travel, though mentally very fragile. Putting her on the flight she originally booked. All the details of arrival times, etc., in brown envelope in my desk. Can you collect her? She will need a wheelchair, 
and an early appointment with Dr. Richards. Ask for an emergency appointment if the dragon at reception objects. Hospital here will email her notes to him. No seat left for me, but loads of loose ends to tie up here. We'll let you know my movements as soon as I know them myself. Must confess that I'm finding all this strangely exhilarating. The new sights and sounds, an amazing sense of freedom after spending so much time running round after Ma, etc. Thinking of you all back at home. All love, Susan. Kiss, kiss. November 28th, just to let you know. Copy to Leslie and Claire. Dear Tim, Seems silly to come out all this way and not see some of the sights. I'm presently heading towards Angkor Wat, then intend to make for Phnom Penh. Extraordinary country. Susan. December 10th. Heading up country. Copy to Leslie and Claire. Dear Tim, communed with orangutans in Borneo, like human babies, indescribably tender. We'll probably go on to Java or Sumatra if I can. We'll email just before Christmas to wish everyone well. Susan. December 24th. Merry Christmas to all my readers. Susan. Quake struck under the Indian Ocean December 26th, toppling buildings. More like informal collections of simple wooden houses were no match for the force of the floodwaters which followed the earthquake. Whole communities are believed to have been swept away. Dark brown water as it engulfs a busy street, picking up cars and minivans and sending people scrambling up the sides of buildings. Thousands more people are thought to have fled into the thick jungle of the interior searching for the relative safety of higher ground. Emails Abroad was written by Shirley Moore and Julia Messenger with Robin Miller as Leslie and Maggie Turner as Susan. Emails Abroad was engineered by Matt Walters at Quint Studios and edited by Lester Barry for the Wireless Theatre Company. Visit www.wirelesstheatrecompany.co.uk for more audio downloads.